Hey everyone, we're back with another episode of Find Your Film. You know, I, I, I can't, I can barely speak because I see two weird creatures, monsters on our video feed. You can catch our video feed, video podcast on Bruce Perky's YouTube channel, Rustomeyer. I'm a little bit halting right now because I think we're celebrating Halloween. And uh, yeah, it's me, Greg Srizavosti, Bruce Perky, and his son, Andrew. Hi. Uh, yes. Hello. Hey, guys, what are you dressed up as? Are you, or is that, is that a get up or is that you guys? What is that? This is what happens when I take off my makeup. It looks like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Andrew, do you always look like um, the emaciated version of Ghost Rider? Who are, who are you? Andrew, who are you? I'm always skinny. So I'm as, I'm as myself without makeup. <laughs> okay. And Eric, Eric Holmes, how are you, buddy? You doing all right? Doing, I don't know, getting kind of creeped out with these creatures of the night in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> and Eric Holmes, if you guys watch the video feed, he has a really nice red De Palma-esque background behind him, which I totally endorse. And I just have a stupid yellow orange shirt. So I'm really not celebrating Halloween as much as these guys are. First off, Eric Holmes, Halloween, is that your favorite holiday of the year or one of them? Or are you a big fan of these that holiday, I I do like Halloween. Uh, it's uh, I've throughout the years we've positioned ourselves to be the house that gives away the cool prizes and stuff, <laughs> and so but it's it's all above board. I guarantee it. This year will be fun. We'll be handing out Magic the Gathering cards, and my uh, cool. niece is making little uh, magic wands. So I'll be dressing up as a wizard, handing out magic paraphernalia and candy. Well, I'm going to do some kind of magic right now before I get to you guys. I'm going to change the Wi-Fi connection. So Bruce, you're going to have to edit this a little bit on the feed and we're going to freeze for one second. I apologize. Guys, can you hear me sort of? It broke. Okay, yeah. No, it's Better? Not. Better? Yeah, it is. Oh. It broke. So Bruce and... Oh, what broke? What happened, Bruce? Did something break? Did something... Did the, did the dam... Co- Wait, oh, headphones? The, the headphones are just a little twisty. Yeah, it's okay. It don't matter. Okay, so... Bruce, Andrew, are you guys really huge fans of Halloween? Is this what do you guys usually do for Halloween? Yeah, we like it a lot. We definitely try to do fun stuff. We got we actually had the fog machine hooked up in here too, but it was a little bit too confined <laughs> for the fog machine. Yeah. We kind of smoked ourselves out. So we'll uh, we'll uh, use that for the people to come, and maybe a, a monkey might appear. And we do have one more friend we want to introduce you to before we start here. Okay, um, the audio might be a little loud. So, uh oh. Oh, it's not working. It's not on? Let's see. Hang on. Oh, it's not on. The, oh, no. We, was it going to be? A, what, is it, what is that? A, is that a dragon or is it a black cat? I'm trying to look. What is it? Is it a raven? Is that a raven? Oh. He's getting a little dying. He's dying. <laughs> the end is near for him, I think. I'll turn him off now so we don't feel like endure this anymore. <laughs> it sounds like he's making fun of someone that's like complaining about something. Usually set it up. Don't touch it anymore. It'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> scary. Scary. And what is that? Eric Holmes. Oh, oh, oh. What's that? Oh, yeah. Eric Holmes has. Oh, I, you know, geez, what is I didn't the see name? That. That's a that's a gremlin. That's a gremlin. What is that? What is Spr- a strike or what is his name? Stripe Sparky. Sparky. <laughs> Stripe, no, yeah. Stri- the, the bad one. The bad gremlin. The main. The yeah. main bad guy. What's what's the main bad guy? His name. Stripe. 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 Yes. We're yeah, adding we'll all kinds of visual it. elements, so people have to watch the video too. I'll add one more visual element, then we can get started here. Okay. This is my uh, my uh, creep show comic book. 
Oh, nice. From the day that has the actual, the entire movie in comic book form. Oh, I remember. I actually remember that. Have, do you, are you a fan of Creepshow, Bruce Sparky, that, that movie? You're a fan of the film or? Yeah, the first one for sure. The second one's pretty good. Uh, the series is okay that they came out with recently. I like the, the, doll, the dollhouse. Yeah, we had one episode we really liked of the brand new series was called The House of the Head instead of The Head of the House. That Ooh. one's really good. Okay, Creepshow. I've never, mm. you know, I've, are you a Creepshow person, Eric? Have you seen your share of Creepshow stuff? I've seen the, I've seen one of the movies for sure. Would would so I get that one and uh and Tales from the Dark Side mix up. Which one's Creepshow? Is that the one with the dude turns into like the swamp monster yeah. thing? Okay, that's Creepshow. Yeah, and it's all um, it was all like George Romero and mixed with Tom Savini and and Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for this episode, we're, it's going to be a special Halloween episode. We're going to have a lot of Halloween themed films. I think maybe there might be one film, one or two films that are not even Halloween themed. But our first review will be before we get to the rewinds and everything. We're going to start off right off the top. We won't bury the lead. I am a little bit nervous because I did not get a lot of uh, reactions from Eric Holmes, or Bruce Perky, or Andrew regarding Come Play, a movie that. I absolutely really enjoyed. Okay, come play. It hits theaters Friday, October 30th. Bruce, do you want to start off with your just like a little mini recap, mini mini review on what come play is about? Sure. So uh, come play is about a little boy named Oliver, uh, his mother, Sarah, and his father, Marty. And the mother and father are kind of, I think they're on the verge of separating or in the process of separating uh, he has some level of autism and he seems like kind of a lonely kid, uh, kind of somewhat picked on at school. And there's this app that kind of appears on his phone. That's sort of like a storybook. Wait, an app? Or app or like uh, a storybook. Uh, yeah. Doesn't it just appear? Yeah, it just kind of appears. And it's a story of, um, what does it say? A monster? Larry. Larry the monster who needs friends or something like that. <laughs> Misunderstood monster. Misunderstood monsters. Yes. And, um, very quickly, we start to discover that possibly that storybook and looking at that storybook might cause Larry to actually manifest. And that's kind of the basic setup. Right. And Oliver, the kid who's on the autism spectrum, his parents is Sarah. Sarah is played by Gillian uh, or Gillian Jacobs. How do you say Gillian mm-hmm. Jacobs? Gillian Jacobs. Gillian, Gillian ja- Jacobs. Okay. And also John Gallagher Jr. is Marty, his father. So Sarah and Marty... They're on, this is not a spoiler. They are sort of a little bit on the outs. They're not getting along. Marty's kind of the, the guy with a little bit of an arrested development sort of nature. He's sort of a kid at heart, which is cool. We, all three of us are kind of kids at heart anyway. We can relate to that character. But uh, so Marty bonds a lot with Oliver, but Oliver's mom, Sarah, is a little bit of a, she's a little bit of a taskmaster. She's, she's on Oliver a lot because she's the one who does all the heavy lifting. So that's basically the premise of come play and i eric what did you ultimately think about come play it's the the feature writing and directing debut of jacob chase and it's based it's an expansion of his previous short larry which came out in 2007 did you like it did you love it were you in the middle of this well i didn't see larry but uh, as far as come play goes i like this one it's kind of uh real similar to the babadook where uh at first it's kind of is this thing 
real is it not or is it like a metaphor i guess it's kind of both really but i mean within the within the framework of the movie everything's as far as i could tell is actually happening but yeah it's it's a it's a you know kind of a neat concept uh you know the the kid can't talk so he's got to use this app to talk but then the app's the uh, thing that causes trouble or does it because that, that that's kind of the that's kind of the the main point isn't it whether or not larry the misunderstood i mean it says right at the beginning the misunderstood monster so my first thought when i saw that was oh this is a frankenstein story this is the monster that everyone's afraid of that maybe they don't need to be afraid of it and it kind of it kind of plays with that a little bit you know without giving anything away it's it's Maybe the monster is misunderstood. Maybe the monster is dangerous. Uh, maybe it's got the potential for both. And I, I thought it was a really cool, uh, really cool thriller. There's some parts that kind of bug me, but you know, like any movie, not worth, not worth mentioning. Overall, it's a really good movie. I thought. Oh, cool. Well, I like the parking lot sequences. John Gallagher Jr. playing the dad. He's the parking lot attendant, and there are a couple of scenes where, not to give too much away, Larry may or may not appear in the parking lot. Those tense sequences really got to me. Thought, I thought it was scary enough. The third act, I really enjoyed the final moment in the movie, which Bruce and Andrew and I had some sort of exchange and conversation. We're not going to give that away. I found that <laughs> I, I got a little bit teary-eyed at the end, not to give too much away regarding yeah. what happens uh, with Complay. I thought it... Ultimately, the movie, to me, in my review, I was saying it's more of a family drama than a horror thriller. It's really good as far as the scares, but I think ultimately it's about family. And one of the producers of of this is Amblin, Amblin Partners. So coming from Spielberg, you do get a little bit of that Spielberg sheen to it a little bit. You could, or J.J. Abrams, you're thinking of J.J. Abrams' earlier stuff. So I really like that element to come play. I just wonder... My only question is, if you're a real horror enthusiast and you're expecting something completely different, will you be? Will this movie win you over? And that's why I wanted to <laughs> hand it over to you, Bruce, and and your son Andrew. What I want to hear what you guys think of the movie. You want to go first? Well, wait. Are we talking the, about the complaint movie? Yes. <laughs> uh, I must say, the classroom in the movie, I do not like at all. Because <laughs> saying that I I I, I go to school. Yeah, I do not like the classroom. It is no, no, no. Why was there? Oh, it's, it's not <laughs> Andrew. It's not realistic, or it's just yes. Not... It's it's just not realistic at all. Oh God! What what is what? What made it so unrealistic to you as far as the the classroom well, goes? You got that big chalkboard at the front. You don't mm-hmm. got any like type of electronic or computer. Not none of that. Okay. Everyone's got these desks that yeah. don't they like open or. <laughs> I didn't pay that close of attention to the classrooms. <laughs> Andrew, you sound like a future production designer. I'm liking it. I'm liking. I'm liking this. Very spooky desk, to be sure. <laughs> yeah, what else? What else, Andrew? What are What are some of the things that you didn't like about it? Maybe a couple things you liked about it overall. I'm thinking. Uh, I don't. That would be spoilers, wouldn't it be? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to talk about spoilers, that's for sure. Yeah, um, thank you, Andrew, for not mentioning spoilers. Why, why don't you percolate, percolate oh, a little bit? Bruce, yeah. why don't you jump in and, and give us your I, thoughts? I was, I was kind of right in the middle on this. I was middle of the road. I liked the, I liked the suspense. I liked the way that they played with how they revealed or didn't reveal the Larry guy and like how 
they really played a lot with kind of creeping up the um, appearances or non-appearances that he had. Those those scenes I thought were really, really well performed. My biggest gripes, I guess, with the movie would be um, like some of these movies, I wanted to understand the logic. Like I wanted to understand exactly how Larry is supposed to work. And that part never quite gelled for me. Like there's something with, and once again, not spoiling things, but there's something with electronics, but I wasn't quite clear on whether he was more powerful or less powerful, or there was stuff going on there that didn't quite gel. And there was the storybook aspect, which kind of was supposed to like kind of conjure him maybe, but then the story kept getting added to. So we never, so as it went, we kept getting more of the story. And then I'm like, it's kind of like it was changing the rules as it went to me. And that I, I kind of wanted it to be really clear. And it's funny because this is a lead to my next movie that, that we watched this week when I, when I review it. And that I think is a better example of doing something similar, but it was good. It wasn't, but it, it wasn't great. It was kind of like, eh, kind of right down the good, middle. Good, but not great. Yeah. Um, Eric, you would say good, but not great as well. You'd go. I'd, I, I would go pretty good. Uh, if we're talking about parts that bug me, I think the worst parts about this were the jump scares. Mm-hmm. And I think if they took out the jump, like if they took out all the jump scares and just made this more of a mood piece, kind of similar to, uh, and I'm not a big fan of Baba Duke. So, uh, you know, <laughs> crucify me for that if you like, but uh, something more along the lines of uh, Baba Duke or even Relic. Because it, it shares a lot in common with Relic, even mm. though the stories are like completely different. Uh, even the the ending kind of had me. Uh, this and the ending to Relic are not at all alike, other than that they kind of hit me in a similar emotional way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that there's a lot to like in this movie, and it, it was kind of like one of those. Uh, I think if they took out the jump scares and just leaned on the. Uh, leaned on the suspense mm-hmm. and then also maybe kind of like what Bruce says, kind of uh, explain the rules a bit or even, uh, you know, lean more towards um, what Larry is or isn't. I yes. can't say much, can't say yes. much more than that without giving stuff away. Right. Right. But uh, th- yeah, this is like one rewrite and this would have been a great yep. movie as it is. It's still pretty good. I still like it quite a bit. Cool. Just cool. to add on to what Eric's saying, like I'll give an example, which it's not really revealing anything, but there's a point where some characters are using a device and when they aren't looking through the device, they don't see Larry. But when they look through the device, they can see Larry. And that's really cool and effective and really simple. And it's very, and you kind of can creep. You can, and every time you see him in that moment, it's not a jump scare. It's just a creepy scare. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, oh, whoa, he's there. Oh my gosh, it's really, what's going to happen? That kind of stuff, I think, works really well as like as opposed to, like you said, you know, a, a zinger, you know, that's supposed to just like, ah, you know, make you startled. So I think that mm. like heightening the creepiness and just tightening down like exactly how it works, I think would have just elevated it that little extra level. So I a little bit more monster world building in this movie. Just a little a, bit a more. A little know. bit more. Yeah. I do want to point out the, uh, the kid that uh, played the main kid's friend. The one mm. that looks like a really young, young Patton Oswalt. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He is fantastic in this. Like, oh. I, I, I don't know why, but I, he really stood out to me as far as a, a child actor. Winslow, right. Winslow Fegley. Winslow Fegley he plays Byron, the, the guy yeah. who's the main bully. Yeah, yeah, he was just like the normal bully kid. But then there was like a, there was kind of a 
turning point with his character. And then he was just doing some stuff that I was like, God damn, he's pretty fucking good. <laughs> so that would be another example where it's like, we find out about the relationship between those two characters later on, but we kind of needed to know it earlier because there's a point early on when those two are put together and you're like, why are they putting those two together? Like, why yeah. are they together right now? But if yeah. I had known a little of that backstory, then I would have understood that. And then yeah. I wouldn't have had, and it just would have deepened it earlier because when it did come around, I understood what was going on between those two. I was like, oh, I really like that. That's a really cool, realistic element. So just those little things would have tightened it up slightly, I think. And uh, we're going to close out with you, Andrew. Final thoughts on, on this film, on Come Play. I have two thoughts right now. <laughs> okay, good, good. Why has nobody mentioned the SpongeBob parts? And, oh, yeah. uh, okay, oh, very cool. Why does no one ever just run out? I mean, why just like stand there and be like, oh no, I must hide. (laughs) (laughs) Not just run out. Very good points. Good points. Yeah, there's, (laughs) I don't want to give too much away, but there, I was, those are good, valid points. But did you want to mention SpongeBob, Andrew, anything? Did you like the way it was integrated into the story at, at all? It, it was more like a just something to be there. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, Andrew, that's how most people describe me as a human being. So that's not. <laughs> well, you are wearing yellow right now, so I, I don't I'm know if your trying, pants I'm, are square. I'm trying to stand out. I'm trying to stand out. I'm trying to stand out. Okay, so I guess that it's a for for me. Come play is a high recommend for Bruce. It is a good. But I would not say great. yeah. I would say a, a good recommend. It, it would, it's a good. Um, family scary movie. I think that's good for that. Yeah. Okay. And Andrew, this is a no, for you. It's a no recommend. No recommend. No. Uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's an I don't know for Andrew. And then, and then Eric Holmes. It is a. This is a recommend. It, it's got some flaws, but overall, I think it's pretty good. Okay. All right. That is come play hits theaters October thirtieth. And now our next thing is we're, before we get to our main movie recommendations. Oh, you guys are looking. At, oh, but Andrew, thank you for joining us. Uh, very much. Anything you want to say before you leave? Any final thoughts? I like how my red shirt matches his red lights. Very cool. <laughs> very cool. Very very spooky good. shirt. He's out. <laughs> he is out. My kid's a harder reviewer than I am. Wow. Oh, wait, Andrew, by the way, thank you so much for the music for our show. He just said thank you for the music. So, <laughs> He's already out. He's gone. Way, Andrew's ready to just nap, which is, right. uh, you know, we understand. On. I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, by the way, Andrew is the, the guy who does our opening music for our show for find your film. So thank you so much, Andrew, for that. And thank you for your, your I don't know comment regarding come play. Very honest, very, <laughs> very honest. Now, before we get into our weekly recommendations, especially for this Halloween episode, we have a bit of a movie rewind from Eric Holmes. And like he always likes to do, he likes to slather his choices with weird kind of contraptions, but black cat part do what? What's so? What's going on with this? What's what? Do you, what? What do you have for us? This? What? What is that? With the black two cat? very spooky movies: The Black Cat, and another movie called The Black Cat. Uh, we got <laughs> Black Cat, nineteen thirty-four, which I was supposed to rewind last week, but I found out that uh, that that Bruce saw. But I actually watched the nineteen forty-one movie, also called Black Cat. 
Uh, let's see. That one is directed by Albert S. Rogel, um, made in 1941. And there's, it, it says it's based on the black cat by Edgar Allan Poe, which is what I thought that the, uh, the, the other one was, but apparently not. Uh, cause okay. this is a, this is a way different story than the Bela Lugosi and the, uh, other guy, Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. Was. Yeah. Uh, this one's basically this old lady and her cat, and they find a bunch of dead cats, and then people want to kill her because they want her inheritance, but her inheritance goes towards the cats, and it's kind of a comedy, sort of, and it's not very good, so I would just skip it. So I'm going to uh, move along to, uh, hold on, we got so the- skip, uh, skip the 1941 version of Black Cat. It's fine. It's it, it's it's a movie technically, so that you know it's got that going for it. But the uh, 1934 one with uh, Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff, that one, okay. <laughs> Bruce loved it, right? Bruce, you loved that. What, the, what is, this, the, this movie's uh, this movie's pretty good. This, <laughs> I I I I had this thought while I was watching this movie, and I don't know if you agree with me or not. Is Bella Lugosi the Nick Cage of his day? Yes. Because <laughs> I'm That's watching cool. Boris Karloff and it's like, yeah, he's kind of, uh, I'm looking at Boris Karloff like, dude, he's reminding me so much of Michael Shannon right now. And then Boris Karloff or uh, Bella Lugosi comes in just like does all these weird, like I could see them remaking this movie with Michael Shannon as Boris Karloff's character and Nick Cage as uh, Bella Lugosi's character. I agree. I, I, I can't remember all the lines, but Dude, Bella Lugosi's got some bangers in there. <laughs> yes. And I was going to say, like, to me, the, the price of admission is good just based on any time that they interact with each other it, and the acting is just, it's over the top, but it's super fun. And then yeah. there's some stuff that's in the basement, which visually is really cool, but I don't want to say what they find down there. Well, what, what was the, what was that line that he had? The, I will felt your skin off or something. I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> so, some weird stuff. Oh, towards the end. Yeah, there's... There's some good like, stuff. It's got a dark ending too. Right? The skin from your bone, or I, I don't know. He's a he's a weirdo, but in like in like the best way possible. And yeah, um, but, but, oh, sorry, Eric, this is your first Edgar G. Ulmer film. Edgar G. Ulmer is known as one of those. I think he's one of those poverty row filmmakers from back in the day. But he's known for actually bringing a, a ton of value to a very, I guess, cheaply made movie in the sense of the budget. Did you notice? When you're watching the movie, that there's a little bit of a visionary behind. Did you notice it? It's a distinct vision, or yeah, there's some of that. And I'm looking it up right now. Apparently, he was a set designer on Dirt Golem, so this is not the first Edward G. Omer movie I've seen. Very cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I would check out more of his movies, specifically if he's got any more with uh, Bill Lugosi, because he's just fucking nuts in this one. And uh, oh yeah. Yeah, Edward, that that Edward Olmer guy, he's uh he's he's pretty good. And pretty there's good. a there was a there was a really good scene, not at the end, but like kind of towards the when they're ramping up towards the uh, climax where uh, um, Boris Karloff's getting tied up, and they're mm-hmm. about to you know they're about to do stuff to him. And uh, yeah, I had a had a look away, and it turns out they didn't show anything. But that was uh that was a really uh. uh really successful part in uh, scaring me and getting a little uh, suspenseful there. 
I think also it's just unusual for the era because it's not, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, Mummy. It's this weird, it's more of like a, like a revenge drama almost than anything. Yeah. It it almost seems like a spy movie sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it kind of was because the the main thrust of the story is the who's doing what and who's not doing what and so on and so forth. But yeah, it, it definitely plays out more of a spy movie than it does a horror. But I mean, it definitely has its horror elements. Well, yes. so The Black Cat, 1934, directed by Edgar G. Ulmer, starring, like you were saying, Eric, for the 41 story as well. It's based on a story by Edgar, I mean, Alan Poe, Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> I forgot, where is it streaming? Amazon? Amazon Prime Video? YouTube? Black Cat? This one, I believe I rented it on YouTube. Oh, cool. it might it might be streaming on uh on the Amazon too. Just make sure you get the right because there's this one, there's the 1941 Black Cat. I think there's another from the 60s, and there's another one from the 80s. I, I'm guessing there's probably a hundred movies called the Black Cat. And it's not scary I, though, right? The movie's not scary. It's just fun to watch. The this one's uh it, it's more suspenseful, I guess, and more of a mystery. Um, more more of a spy thriller than it is a horror. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, not, not too scary except the, the one part where they're about to do the thing to Boris Karloff that I thought was good. I, I'm so used to things just being like really gory. I'm like, Oh, here we go. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce and I forgot, was this more of Boris films or Be- Bella's film? What's who, who actually- I'd say they're, they're pretty equal. Um, Bella is like kind of the main you know, the main storyteller of like what has happened and what's leading to all this. And you've got Boris Karloff as kind of the main antagonist. I would say they both kind of have equally seen chewing moments. So, okay. All right. The black cat, if you want scenery chewing moments with a visionary director, Edgar G. Ulmer, check out the black cat, 1934, Bruce Perky, you're going to Burbs Perky, I know what that's in reference to. Yeah. Burbs Perky, you're going to actually lead us off to our first recommendation this week. What do you got? So this is one that probably most people have seen out there, but some people might not have, or they might have not have seen it for a long time. And what this last week, Andrew and I have been seeing a ton of movies together. So uh, right after we watched um, Come Play, I was thinking, this reminds me a lot in some of the dynamics of another PG or PG-13 rated movie that I think was scarier and still stands the test of time really well. I went and watched it with him and it sure enough, it did. And that is Gore Verbinski's The Ring, which is of course a remake that came out in 2002. Super famous movie at this point. Fortunately, I'm not going to go through the twist, but most people know the twist. It's kind of become an iconic thing. And I was lucky enough to actually have seen this when it first came out, like the first weekend. So I saw it in a theater full of high school students that were laughing at it and stuff all the way through until there was a twist that they did not see coming and they just lost their shit. Now, if you don't don't know what The Ring is, the super quick synopsis is there's kind of almost an urban folk tale. These two girls at the start are telling each other about this this mysterious tape. And if you watch the tape, uh, you know, right afterwards, a phone rings and it says seven days and you have seven days before you will be killed somehow by watching that tape. So it's a cursed videotape. Naomi Watts plays the main character. She's uh, a reporter and a friend of the family's girl has died supposedly. And she finds out about this tape. She goes and actually watches the tape. And then the rest of the movie is her trying to uncover the mystery 
and hopefully save herself and maybe other people that have viewed the tape. Once again, I think a lot of people forget how interesting Gore Verbinski can be as a filmmaker. And I think that he got so, he's kind of like one of the first ones to kind of get wrapped up in what a lot of filmmakers do now, which is a lot of filmmakers now are sucked up by the, um, the MCU, right? They do a couple of interesting movies. They, they end up getting an Iron Man or a Thor. And back then he got, you know, all the pirates of the Caribbean movies. And he kind of just got sucked up by that for, I don't know. What do you think? Eight years, nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Forever too long. Yeah. So if you don't, haven't seen any earlier Gorbinski or you kind of have pushed him off and forgotten about him, go back and watch this. Was it the weatherman? The weatherman with Nicholas Cage. That's also a very interesting performance. He was good. And I even stand by a cure for wellness as almost like a Neo hammer film if you can kind of go in it with that attitude it can be a lot of fun yeah you know have you eric have you seen a cure for wellness uh no well you know that movie is i remember for cinematics i gave it a pretty bad review and unfortunately here's the thing bruce you're completely right i i was thinking even if you're negative if you give a cure for wellness a negative review it has so many interesting elements visually and as a narrative construct, I just didn't think it worked as far as I didn't like the lead. I didn't think he was that great in it. Yeah. I just, I, I just wanted so much out of it because it's such an interesting film. It's, I think if you are familiar with that kind of older hammer style, really over, once again, overheated, I've said that before, this is a really weird movie. And if you kind of go into it expecting more of a realism kind of a movie, it doesn't fit. And we're reviewing a different movie now. We shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> anyway, oh, I, that's awesome I would that say we're... that's another one to check out. Um, I wanted to add a couple little fun little pit bits to um, The Ring, which obviously, oh, also The Ring is available. Crackle. Yeah, Crackle. Crackle. Yeah. We, I'd watch it on DVD because we're trying to do that as well. So, oh, yeah, but, um, yeah, I like, love that. I found some interesting trivia about it. I guess when they first were releasing The Ring in theaters, they would randomly leave video to cassettes of the the ring video in theaters just randomly wow. leave it places for people to find un unlabeled so i thought that was pretty cool and there was an original ending to the ring which is really really cool that involves leaving the videotape someplace which i won't tell you but um if you have the dvd version you can watch some of the alternate endings and uh there's some pretty interesting stuff there it's a lot of fun that is a really cool callback the ring so that's Gore Verbinski has always been an interesting filmmaker. It's weird that A Cure for Wellness, which was released in 2016, is the last movie he's done. And even before that, he directed The Lone Ranger, which I still haven't seen, which I hear isn't as bad as one would think. So He, he is a really technically skilled filmmaker. He just needs to get a good script because I think he's got a lot more in him if he gets a chance. So Okay. Very cool. The Ring. And we love you, Gore Verbinski. Okay. So, Eric Holmes, what's your next pick? Uh, my next one, group, it's going to be a good show. Let me tell you about the guy named Goulardi. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do that forever, but it'd be nice if I did. <laughs> hey, what the hell? Maybe I do. Phil Hoffman, he's a good guy, no? Not from Parma, <laughs> I tell you that much, right? He's a good guy. Very good. Check That's him out. Phil word. Hoffman on the YouTubes. He's got his YouTube channel. And on his YouTube channel... He's got Turn Blue, Short Life Goulardi. Don't know who that guy is, but I'll call him King. <laughs> uh, 
This uh, it's a it's a YouTube video by Phil Hoffman, which I believe he was friends with Goulardi. Goulardi, if you don't know, is Ernie Anderson, who's uh, most people know his son, Paul Thomas Anderson. But I think he's probably best known for Goulardi, and even more so is his voice. Uh, he does like the voice of the Love Boat, or mm. the uh, it, it, if you heard him do his uh, radio voice or TV guy voice, you'd be oh, I've heard him on everything. But it, it just kind of the Goulardi show. It was a uh, it was a show in Ohio, and it was kind of a, a USA Up All Night type of uh, sure. feature sort of thing. And he kind of turned into a uh, local legend. And he he only did it from sixty three to sixty six. And it just kind of this uh, turned blue. The short life of Goulardi. It kind of goes over his antics, the popularity of the show, how it you know brings people together, still does to this day, and uh, you know all the all the madcap fun they had while doing it, all the dangerous stuff that I'm surprised they didn't kill anyone while doing it, and uh, you know where Goulardi ended up and where it continues to go to this day. It's it's a it's a fun little uh, slice of life uh, or slice of era maybe. Uh, fun era and um yeah if you're not uh if you're not familiar with the uh, goulardi uh definitely check this out one of the one of the things i loved about him that i wasn't really expecting uh because because a lot of the stuff that he does behind the scenes uh the producers didn't really like him you know when when you drive a motorcycle into the studio and start lighting off fireworks everywhere inside, <laughs> and as, as you may imagine, the producers might be a little, okay, let's, can we stop doing that? Oh, why don't you stay sick and turn blue? And then he basically tells them to <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> um, but he has a, he has a really creative spirit. And then uh, they kind of go into all the stuff that, um, all the charity events, uh, they play like charity baseball or softball and they, they would do all these charity events to like help the people out in the, uh, local area. And, you know, he was definitely, uh, definitely a rebel, but he was also a really nice guy. And yeah, it's just fun to see someone like that, uh, kind of have their, have their bit of success and then continue to have success on later on. I've never heard of this guy. and he Never gave birth to Paul Thomas Anderson, so that's yeah. like a triple, oh. quadruple win. Bruce, have you I, ever seen any of that stuff? Uh, yeah, I, I've seen. Um, there's collections of a whole. There was a whole bunch of different horror hosts that would be around the United States, uh, and he's one of the more famous ones. And there was a period where you had a lot of those. And I think probably today the most. I don't know what would be the most recognizable for most people would be probably uh, Joe Bob Briggs is kind of a, an idea of it. But imagine yeah. if Joe Bob, Bob Briggs was on like your local TV channel introducing movies like every Friday night. Or know? Elvira, something like that. Yeah, Elvira is oh, another okay, similar cool. example. But yeah. There used to be like, I don't know, there was like, I don't know, eight or nine of those guys from the 60s through the maybe early 80s that would kind of pop that were in various markets. And um, a lot of them had a lot of fun stuff and they do these weird shticks, uh, kind of play jokes on each other on the set and do like, like Eric is saying, doing lots of weird antics. So uh, yeah, it's really cool. Huh. And he also seemed like, uh, cause like Elvira and uh, well, maybe not so much, but Elvira is definitely horror. Like the, mm-hmm. he's firmly in horror. Goulardi, uh, despite his name, he seemed more like a, like a counterculture figure. 
Yes. I mean, he, he definitely did the creature feature stuff, but he was more of a counterculture uh, uh, character as well as, you know, I guess Joe Bob Briggs kind of fits into that, although he's more of a, he's more of a uh, hillbilly type guy, I guess. Yeah. And he's, he's a product of the eighties too. So yeah. it's different, you know, where a lot of, like you said, a lot of those guys came out of that late sixties, early seventies. So there's weird cross currents going on there as well. Yeah, totally. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. And I'll just, you can just get the stuff at the YouTube on YouTube. Yeah. So a guy, a guy named Phil Hoffman, he's the one that made it and it's on his YouTube channel. And uh, from what I can tell, Phil Hoffman was a friend of his. And so a lot of the uh, interviews they have are people that knew Gulardi back in the day. Um, okay. And it, it's just kind of them reminiscing about their friend. And that is he seemed cool. like a cool guy. I wish cool. I would have known him. Oh, and our buddy Mark Dewidziak shows up in a yes. in a cut. He's not in it very much, uh, but he does pop up a couple times. So, if you're a fan of Mark Dewidziak, as I am, definitely check that out. As I am, yeah, as of course, yeah. You had the epic uh, interview. Check that out on Bruce Perky's Rustmeyer channel. That's how long did that interview go, Bruce? How long was that? Oh my God, it's nearly two hours. My that that is just and like he's he's the kind of guy we could do it a two hour conversation every week if probably and drop in with him. We definitely probably will try to get Mr. Dewiziak back for some special features for sure. That would be very cool. That'd be, yeah. be very, very cool. Now, speaking of cool, are you guys, were you guys a fan last year of parasite and do both of you like Bong Joon-ho are both of you fans of the work mm, of Bong Joon-ho? Maybe. Jun- yes. Maybe. Very, very much so. Yes. What's the Bruce uh, would you, first of all, right off the top of both of you guys, actually, Favorite Bong Joon-ho film, right off the top. What's yours, Bruce? What's yours first? Probably Mother. Mother. Okay. Eric Holmes, what about you? What say you? What's your, do you have a favorite Bong Joon-ho film? I don't want to step on your thunder. <laughs> it would be uh, Memories of Murder. Oh, wow. is, that, is yeah. that right? Oh, you're mm-hmm. not stepping on anyone's thunder because you can. By the way, Bruce, have you ever seen Memories of Murder? Yep. Okay. So both of you have seen it. When years ago you saw it years ago, Bruce? Yeah, I, that's like the very first thing I saw of his, like shortly after it came out. So I, it's one I need to revisit because it's been so long that I barely remember it. Other than I liked it a lot when I saw it. Okay, well, well, you know what? First off, Memories of Murder. It's it's been out for years. It was re- it was came out in two thousand three. Okay, now here's a cool timely news because of the success of Parasite. There is this interest in Korean South Korean films. Bong Joon-ho is obviously at the apex of that mountain. And now, Memories of Murder, as of this week, it's now available. A remastered version of Memories of Murder is available on video on demand. So remastered, you're thinking, this is very cool. <laughs> I don't know if you can... yeah, so <laughs> this not... eyes, both of our eyes is a <laughs> Yeah, it's not an arbitrary choice. But Eric, you said it's your favorite one. So that whether you saw it back in 03 or maybe saw it three weeks ago, what that's saying a lot. What makes Memories of Murder your favorite Bong Joon-ho film? I, I like the uh, the idea that it's basically about, um, it's kind of similar to Zodiac in a lot of ways. It's a uh, police department that doesn't, that's not really equipped to deal with the serial killer and they got to deal with the serial killer. But it goes a little deeper than that because they just want to, they just kind of want to, find someone to pin it on and move on to the next thing. Uh, but they got the new guy in and it's like, no, no, we can't do that. It's, dude, 
is this a murder? We pin it on him, and they they have a guy with uh, what's the uh, what's a good word for it? I, oh, I don't want to use the R word, but he's not all developmental there. disability or development. There you go, there you go. So they're just going to pin it on this poor guy that's you know doesn't you know he's got the he's got the brain of a child, and if not for that new cop coming in, he's he gets the chair <laughs> like like he gets he gets executed for a murder he didn't do. And so it, it it's fun, yeah. It it's just a good movie all around. Well, well, listeners, it's it's based it's loosely based on a series of murders that happened in South Korea from the years 1986 to 1991. So this movie, Memories of Murder, is set around that time. Like Eric was saying, it centers on several detectives. Two of the detectives live within that small town in South Korea. Another detective. Like Eric was saying, he comes in to join this task force. This other detective comes from Seoul, from the big city. So he has, like Eric was saying, he has his ways. He has the by-the-book ways. By He's always saying, if it's on the document, you're, that's how you follow the rules. You, you, follow, you follow your lead. You read the document that by the book. And the other, the other guys are a little bit, one guy played by, I'm really bad with this, Song Kang-ho from Parasite. We all we all know he's a lead mm-hmm. actor in Memories mm-hmm. of Murder. He plays the main cop who is the, the provincial cop. He's the he's the guy in the town. He doesn't have really he doesn't go by the document. He doesn't go by the book. And he actually the way he actually catches people or is through through his gut by looking at a person right in the eye to see whether or not they are the killer. That's one of his main so that doesn't jibe. So it's really interesting because <laughs> you've seen the movie itself is a has all the tropes you see from a cop thriller. You, we've seen this before. Seven, all that stuff. We've seen it. Zodiac, like you were saying, Eric. But the way this movie's done, it's 137 minutes of immersion. It, it's really, it's scary. It has a, lo- a little bit of that Hitchcockian pacing elements that we will see later, several years later, with Bruce's favorite movie of his, Mother. So yep. this is sort of a precursor to Mother. Mother is my personal favorite from him. I haven't seen, I still haven't seen Snowpiercer. That's and The Host, I think. Those are the two movies mm-hmm. I haven't seen. But so far, this is one of my favorites. My favorite is Mother. But this one is still, I think, highly recommended for me. Another reason why it's timely, it's not just because it's remastered. I don't want to give anything away regarding the ending of this movie. But there is a recent situation regarding that, those serial killing, those serial uh the serial killer and those murders from 1986 to 1991, something surfaced about that, those killings recently in South Korea as of last year. Oh, the, so, the, the ones it's based on? Yes. So there is an oh. update on that. Wow. So without giving too much away about I memories of murder. Again. So I, I'm probably tipping my hand with this, but we don't want to give too much away mm-hmm. about what happens with this movie, but it's really timely right now. So if, so watch Memories of Murder on VOD and then Google South Korea serial killer and your mind will probably be blown. I so, cannot I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah. would you say, Greg, would you say, since I haven't seen Memories of Murder for a long time, so it's yeah. pretty hazy as far as the overall plot and stuff on it. Would you say that the two, that and Mother, are kind of like flip side points of view? Because Mother is so much a point of view of the the accused side of things and the mother and the person who's accused as opposed to, even though there's investigation parts to it, the emphasis is different. If I remember sure. correctly, yeah. you know, you, you do, you do, you know, mother to me is a more personal claustrophobic 
you know, mother and son. Okay, and that's and it's, yeah. well, basically, mother trying to absolve her son, trying to get prove her son is innocent, and you know that that whole thing. So we're actually enclosed in her space for the longest time, right? With memories of murder, like Eric was saying, it's it's really that that procedural, that investigation. Uh, so it's more of an open book case. So it's actually more, in a weird way, more of an accomplished film than Mother. But what really gets you with Mother is the 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 cinematic skill of Bong Joon-ho yeah. to tell such a personal story, but it, in such an amazing scope. And obviously the ending of th- that movie <laughs> is better than any ending of uh, Bong Joon-ho's that I've seen. That's, that's not negating anything he's done, but my goodness, mother. I, well, what, what I remember from mother is it, and it's, uh, I'm kind of the exact opposite with Bruce. It's been a yeah. while since I've seen mother, but it's seen memories of murder quite a bit, but the mother is she knows he's guilty and she's trying to kind of help him not prove his innocence, but kind of help him not be guilty or something like that. Hide evidence, that sort of thing. Or is uh, memories of murder is they know damn well, the person that they have isn't guilty but they're trying to make them guilty right. so they can just move on and move on to the next thing. Okay, so, so it's I don't much know more I'm... about like the morality of the, and the police and the procedures versus the morality of a convict or yeah. accused person kind of. They, they would definitely make a good uh, double feature. Cause yeah, yeah. It, I think, I think you nailed it. They're kind of, they're almost the same movie, but flipped from, yeah. you know, flip flopped a little bit. Actually, you haven't seen mother in a while and will f- listeners. So I'm going to say Eric hasn't seen the movie in a while. And I'm going to, when you're listening to this, I would suggest if you have not seen mother, please fast forward to, or skip within the next 20 to 30 seconds, because I'm going to tell you that your interpretation of mother is slightly skewed because spoiler, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, move fast, 30, 30, 35 seconds. Sorry. If you haven't seen mother folks, cinephiles, you should have seen it by now your fault. But anyways, go 30 seconds ahead. I'm going to say a spoiler right now. Mother, the premise of mother is you're in, and Bruce, you know this, mm-hmm. you're in the the, uh, the life, you follow the mother, she's your Jimmy Stewart character throughout the entire Hitchcockian movie, and it's about her trying to tell the society that her son, her sweet, innocent, naive, mentally challenged son is innocent. He could not, he can even hurt a fly like Norman Bates. So you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're actually led to believe that this is a crime of, in, this is a, uh, it's injustice. Most of, mm-hmm. most of mother is about the okay. injustice of humanity. How can they pick on this, this boy and this elderly woman? She's fighting against everything just to clear her son's name. And, she, and it's sort of a victory lap when she ultimately clears his name through mm-hmm. sins of her own but then why right. is the son why is the son not not happy because he's the innocent one why why isn't the, why doesn't he love his mother and why is he dismissive all right because yeah, I, I, I i didn't pick up on that at all i, I thought he I, I thought he was guilty and then she was trying to no, get him no the whole premise well, is he's not watching it again then. yeah yeah the whole premise is you're supposed to think he's completely and that what bong does he he makes us really get into that world and we think those two people are the most they, the society is against both of these people. And then you realize at the end, these two people have committed absolutely horrific sins on humanity, but we ended up loving them up to that moment. And then what, whatever you want to do if within that sequence is <laughs> at the end, yeah. it's your, your call. Right, and Bruce? then the final shots of her. Uh, thank you. 
Yes. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> it's a, it's it's I the reason why and you know what I forgot I'm horrible at this guys but I have to start tracking who said this but one of the actors or filmmakers I interviewed recently said I know people are going to get me for this everyone will loves Parasite and and or Snowpiercer but my favorite Bong Joon Ho film is Mother and I forgot who said it but he was basically and I was like thank you for saying that because Mother is an amazing amazing film. That said, Memories of Murder out this week on VOD. We're sorry we're not a spoiler podcast. We do we do <laughs> swear. So this is my my version of swear. I did swear last week with with Shithouse, and I just sweared right now again. But the thing is, uh, this is my version of swearing. I gave you a spoiler for Mother, and I'm sorry because even though I spoiled it for you guys, you're gonna have to see it anyway because it's an amazing movie. It, it, this this movie, if you know the spoiler, actually it'll probably hurt you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyways, that is Memories of Murder, VOD, this week. Check it out. It's remastered. I apologize for the mother spoiler. We had to a little shift well, with Eric Holmes. You can kill well, us. Well, the, the thing with the spoiler, though, is that Bong Joon-ho's movies are so layered, though, that like even it, like, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll take Parasite since a lot of people have seen that. You give away the ending of Parasite, there's still so much, like, layers and ins and outs and everything that, okay, you, you spoiled what happens at the end. But that's not, it's not like the sixth sense where that twist ending is the whole thing. There's so much more to dig through and find in that movie. So even knowing, even knowing what the ending was is yes, a spoiler, but it doesn't ruin the movie because there's that those, his movies are so rich that there's plenty more to glean from it than just a twist ending. What I want to know, the first Bong Joon-ho film that I've seen that I ever saw was Okja. And I really did not like that movie. I wonder now that since then, I've seen Mother, Memories of Murder, you know, and Parasite. I wonder now if I go see Okja again, will I like it more because I now know who he is? You know, because it seems Okja was sort of an... I haven't seen Snowpiercer, but it seems that Okja was an outlier considering the, the tone of his work. But maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Um, I mean, it's definitely different, but I mean, uh, other than Mother and Memories of Murder, like, and I haven't seen the his first one, the dogs, the right. Right. barking dogs never bite or whatever. I yeah. haven't seen that one, but the rest of his movies have like a, I don't know, they, they all seem to be a little different because like Host is different than Snowpiercer, which is different than Oakjaw, which is different than Parasite, which is different than Memories of Murder. Like Memories of Murder and Mother are the only two movies I can think of that share a lot in common the rest of them he kind of kind of goes all over the place I, I can only think the thing that might kind of bother you is that the ones you're talking about you like so much are so much more grounded and he definitely has a side of his of his movies like the host and snowpiercer and okja which are much more um mm. fantastical Got they have it. a lot more fantastical elements or um creatures or they have like futuristic things or social commentary built into like a fantastical kind of a setup so if that might not be quite your cup of tea those might not appeal to you as much as parasite memories of murder mother which are all relatively grounded like realistic ish stories you know now, who's next? I forgot. Who's, it's, I think it's me. You're next. What, what's your next? What's your next pick? So I forgot to mention all of my movies somehow have a slight relate to Joe Dante because oh. we are doing our special Joe Dante deep dive this week. So I want to make sure that we're cross promoting that. In the ring, we had uh, Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts' first screen appearance in a feature is in uh, Matinee, which we will discuss later yes so that's the first connection the next one i'm doing today is a brand new anthology 
on Shutter called the Mortuary Collection. And this, to me, is one of the best kind of classic uh, horror anthologies that they've had in quite a while since maybe Trick or Treat. If you know Trick or Treat, that's a really great one. A creep show we talked about earlier. Um, this is directed by uh, Ryan Spindell, who hasn't done a bunch of other work yet. Uh, and the main character is Montgomery Dark, played by Clancy Brown. Oh, great Clancy actor. Brown has been in a million things, and you'll recognize him if you see him. He was in Shawshank. He was in Starship Troopers. I mean, he's so good. Everything a million he's things. Done. Yeah. Now, here's the connect before I get into what the movie is. Clancy Brown is the guest on the most recent Joe Dante, Josh Olson podcast they put out all the time called The Movies That Made Me. Great podcast. I think it's a great companion podcast to us because they're constantly talking about movies that influence them, like weird, odd, you know, creative movies. And in that episode, they were talking all about, um, like, um, actually going to see matinees and stuff. And uh, basically... um, Clancy Brown was talking about all the matinees that like affected him when he grew up. And at one point he asked Joe Dante, what was his most scary movie for him when he was a kid? And there's two. Um, one was the innocence, which we've talked about on here. Yeah. Uh, I love that. And the other was them about giant killer ants, which will relate to something Mans. we talk about in the Joe Dante episode. Anyway. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, so Montgomery dark is this, uh, Mortician. So the wraparound story, most of these have a wraparound story, the Crypt Keeper or something. This one has a very good wraparound story that actually has a story to it, which is really fun. And Montgomery Dark is this mortician. He runs this really old Gothic, you know, mort- mortician, mortuary or whatever, uh, funeral home and everything. It takes place in um, Astoria. And if you know Astoria, Astoria is where Goonies took place. So you can kind of picture that hillside sort of seaside town. And he is being visited by a prospective employee named sam it's a young woman and she comes in and of course the, the the trope is that you know i will tell you some stories about all the people that have come through and each story is a story you know and each one's a little more fantastical uh and it's just a ton of fun and if you like kind of that ec comic style and ec comic style is the kind of creep show if you want to know it like where someone does something bad and they get their twist comeuppance in some creative way um and this has four stories the stories are all really good the quality of the production is super high on this it looks like it could have been a theatrical release it's wow very good it's not does not look low budget it's really 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 good and is montgomery dark a memorable character okay very good and this is the this is to me kind of other than the stories themselves which all have good twists are all good and they're fun and you know like most anthologies each one's only what 20 minutes 25 minutes at the most so you know you stick with one and you're not into it as much. You got another one coming. So it's not terrible, but in most of these, you just have a crypt keeper, just like making some jokes or something and cackling and moving along. But his character is great because he kind of is a sardonic, you know, very, uh, you know, foreboding telling the stories, but then he has this employee and she's just like, you know, a young sarcastic kid. And she's like, Oh really? You know, you're really playing it up, aren't you? So she's kind of kind of kind of busting his balls on it. And the way he, the way he reacts to it is really, really great. And oh, their man. story is actually a story that plays out by the end. And it's a lot of fun. So, uh, wow. This are good. And that's kind of the key to these. The stories have to be fun and the twists have to be good in each story, the revenge twist or whatever it might be. So if you're looking for a really good Halloween 
it is gory, so it's not for kids. Like the ring, okay. you could have a, you could have like my kid watch the ring. I would not have him watch this movie. So, okay, the Mortuary Collection. That is a huge Halloween pick for this week. And uh, Shutter. Yep. Okay, Shutter. Gotta bring Shutter once in a while, you know. <laughs> okay, gotta gotta pump sh- Shutter on. Okay, so yeah, you know this is one of those movies. I I'm looking at the the poster looks awesome, and Clancy Brown is always. He's. So I mean. Good. He's so he's just a national treasure, national treasure. So, all right, streaming on Shutter. Eric, what did you have uh, another pick? I did. I seen they show the invaders from Mars. It holds yeah. it would make the Swiss jealous. Enough padding, you could make a pillow out of it. <laughs> uh, th- this was um, the invaders from Mars is from 1953 and directed by William Cameron Menzies. Uh, and written by Richard Blake. This was uh, one I picked. Um, Goulardi's last TV appearance as Goulardi um, was uh, with Joe Bob Briggs. And this was a movie he did. And, of course, Goulardi goes on and starts trashing the movie, you know, because that was kind of his thing. He, you know, watches the schlocky movies and watches them and trashes them. This movie is actually pretty good. <laughs> the uh, The special effects are a little cheesy. But overall, this was a good movie, and we'll we'll get into uh, we'll get into the remake a little bit. But the the basic premise is um, the the kid uh, you got a little boy and his parents. They all live in this house, and the the dad's uh, kind of a science science minded. The whole family science minded, and the kids uh, staying up late looking through the through the uh, telescope. Dad's like, "Oh, what you seeing there, kid?" It's like, oh, I saw something through the telescope. Oh, let's take a peek at it. And then the mom's like, Henry, you guys need to go to sleep. Stop looking through the telescope. Oh, shucks, mom. I just wanted to see Pluto and so on and so forth. Um, but the the kid goes to sleep and the, uh, you know, dad puts him to sleep. And everyone, everyone's asleep. And then all of a sudden the kid wakes up because he sees a green light flashing outside and looks outside and there's this flying saucer and it just kind of, kind of lands behind the tree and he takes a takes a telescope and kind of looks at it and it's gone by this point he can't quite see what it is but he thought it was kind of weird it's dad dad wake up and it's like oh what's going on there son i don't know i saw something it was it was something in the sky it's like it crashed he's like no it didn't crash it, it landed over there and it's like well, you're probably just imagining things. Just, uh, just, just go to sleep, and we'll we'll take care of it tomorrow. And so the kid, you know, goes to sleep, and then the dad goes to the, you know, starts putting his shoes on. Mom's like, "Where are you going?" And it's like, uh, the "Boy said he saw something." And it's not like him to just come up with stories. It's pretty science minded, like the rest of us. So I better go check it out. <laughs> and he goes and checks it out, and this. Uh, so the craft lands on this. Uh, I'm the sandbar in the middle of nowhere. It's just sand. And the dad falls into the sand. There's like this uh, choir music, like, (laughs) and the sand opens up and the dad falls down it. And then they wake up the next day. The mom wakes up the kid and it's like, Hey, where's dad? Uh, uh, He must've left early. I don't know. And then the dad comes and he's like, how's it going, son? How's it going? wife and then they're like dad what's wrong with you it's like nothing's wrong with me what are you looking at there's nothing wrong with me everything is fine everything (laughs) is fine do not talk to me do not look at me and so one by one 
people start the the let's all share your tongues. It opens it up, <laughs> swallows people, and they pop out later as uh, they're clearly possessed by something. And then the the son kind of notices that, like you know, when his dad smacks him, he's like the my dad doesn't do this. There's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. And so it's the, the kid trying to get everyone to fi- figure out that there's something going on. There's something possessing my parents and so on and so forth. And then the rest of the movie takes place. And this is really good. And the, the, the cheese, you know, when they finally showed the, uh, well, <laughs> when they, <laughs> when they show the, the, the Martians, like the special effects get a little cheesy, but there's like this head uh, brain, martian you know, thing like a ball thing like a yeah sphere. yeah that thing is creepy looking <laughs> it's kind of like a head with like octopus arms kind of right yeah, like it, 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 it looks like a ball. green uh if you watch teenage mutant ninja turtles it looks like krang but green but mm-hmm. yeah that's uh, pretty yeah the the, the you know the, the ending's nothing to write home about it's pretty much what you expect the ending like that to be but uh they do take some chances there's a uh that would be a spoiler so i'm not going to go any further there there there's <laughs> there's certain um there's certain characters that meet certain fates that you would not expect a movie like this to go there uh and then it does and i the whole time i was watching this i was like this would be you could make a really good remake of this and apparently they have yeah Bruce has seen that. Um, uh yeah i don't know if it's great but yeah there is a remake from the 80s that toby hooper famously made uh texas chainsaw life force oh that too yeah well i was gonna say life force so he had a weird thing in the 80s where he made two pretty great cheesy almost b-level sci-fi movies and one of them is life force which i saw in the theater and the other is invasion from mars which i saw in the theater <laughs> so both are kind of logically terrible but lots of fun to watch so and if i remember correctly i could be wrong i think the remake has louise fletcher in it that oh. nurse ratchet i'm pretty sure she has a small part in it and it i know is kate blackson pretty... uh karen black's in it right oh, karen black maybe that's what i'm thinking of yeah karen black and then no no louise fletcher's in it as well <laughs> i remembered it good and lorraine um, newman timothy bottoms what a cast Bud yeah, it's very um, it's very faithful. Honestly, I don't think it did very well because people were like, "What's this very cheesy like '50s style sci-fi movie in the '80s?" They don't change it a ton. It's still pretty safe for those that level. It's not like gory or anything really overall, and yeah. it's very, very, very similar to the original. So uh, you would probably enjoy at least checking out parts of it. Go online and probably yeah. watch like you know a collection of clips from it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely gonna check it out. It, I did this one because of the the whole Goulardi the whole Goulardi connection, and I thought this would just be one that I'd be tearing apart. You know, haha, this movie's schlocky. It sucks. Ooh, I'm Goulardi. Go back to Parliament. That sort of thing. <laughs> but I ended up watching. I'm like, nah, I, I actually really like this one. It, it's yeah. not a not Plan Nine. This one's probably more like a Invasion of the Body Snatchers yes. or like oh, a, that level. Like, really, actually, a really good example would be like They Live. You go into They Live yep. thinking it's going to be this complete cheeseball movie, and it actually turns out to be really good. And this is kind of on that level. Not quite on the level of They Live, but it's it's like much better than you think it might be, right? especially considering it's a movie called Invaders from Mars. And it's definitely like it, it has that whole – and I'm talking about the original one. The new one does too, but the original one has that whole like a kid having to solve the – the aliens are coming, you know, like he's kind of going to save the day. And it's, it's definitely one of those movies where it's trying to put the kid in the spot to be the hero and really get, get that kid audience that would come on like a Saturday afternoon, you know? So 
it it fits in. They don't waste a lot of time with like. There's a couple char- characters like the police characters that are like, "Oh, come on, kid, quit t- telling tall tales out of school," that sort of thing. But uh, they do away with a lot of that because apparently it's a small knit town or small knit group of people, so they know they know him. So when he says, "I think I saw something," a, a, a spaceship or whatever, they're not. Ah, beat it, kid. You don't know what you're talking about. Let the adults talk here, see? They, they actually <laughs> listen to him. And then so they do away with that. It, the whole movie's not, oh, I know this thing and no one will believe me. There's a little bit of that, but they dispel with that almost immediately and actually get into the meat of the story. Okay, so Invaders from Mars. The First of all, the remake is streaming on Tubi, T-U-B-I. Tubi yeah. It's a streaming service that Bruce likes. He's, uh, he's used it a couple times for some of the reviews. And for the Air Combs' review for Invaders from Mars, that version, the 1953 version, is available mm-hmm. streaming on Tubi and Flix Fling as well. So, cool. So, yeah, you can go to Tubi for your Invaders from Mars resources. You can watch the original and the remake. I like the idea when you said it actually upends expectations, Eric Holmes. So that is really cool. So, Bruce, do you have um, one more, one or two more before to get us out? I have one more. And like the other two, it does have a relate to Joe Dante, mostly because it was directed by Joe Dante. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's a good reason. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I just thought uh, go straight to the source on that one. So, uh, I had never seen The Burbs. And I know it's a beloved movie for a lot of people, especially after the fact. I think in the last 20 years, a lot of people have really started to revere The Burbs. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go check out The Burbs. Um, It is available on Stars, but I just went and bought the DVD because we should just go buy DVDs, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. We should just go buy DVDs. So I did that. And Andrew and I watched The Burbs together as well. Please tell Uh, me that Andrew loved it. He loved it. He oh, loved good. the verbs. Thank goodness. He really enjoyed it. Um, he liked the ring a lot too. So, oh my gosh, how can we get into the verbs? First of all, you got Tom Hanks as the star. And I think this is either right around the time of maybe big. He's just starting to blow up at this point, I think. He's on the cusp, sort of, maybe? Yeah, he's still kind of known as the, the, that's still back when he was known as the uh, comedic actor. Yeah. He hasn't quite hit the dramatic thing, I don't think. Yeah, so he's Ray. He uh, he's married to Carrie Fisher, which is uh, also a rare, you know, Carrie Fisher role that's not a Star War, uh, you know. And uh, he lives in this just this this suburban cul-de-sac. And the the wonder of this story, and we will talk a lot about more about Joe Dante when we get into Joe Dante one. The wonder of this movie is that there really isn't a whole lot of a plot to this movie. It's kind of like. Um, Big Lebowski or something, you know, like where you've got a basic plot to get a bunch of characters together, but the real fun of the story is the characters and all of the movie love and the weird things that he throws in here. And basically you have a group of neighbors, Bruce Dern's one of them, the awesome Bruce Dern. Who else? Uh, uh, Rick Dukeman. Corey Corey Feldman, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then they have this one house on the block, kind of like the Adams family, that's the weirdo house, you know, like the, the, the it's right next door to Tom Hanks' house and his green lawn ends right at the property line and becomes brown dirt and scrub grass. And at night there's strange sounds and lights coming out of there. And um, the motley group of neighbors kind of band together to basically uncover what nefarious things might be going on or not going on uh, in their little suburban, you know, 
uh, enclave there. And there's at one point, there's a one neighbor and it's played by, I want to make sure I get this right. Gail Gordon, Walter, Gail Gordon. I think I got the name right on that one. He is the kind of the older, the older guy with the little poodle. He lives at the end of the block and he disappears and they're like, okay, that's it. The, the, you know, the weird house, they killed him and they're going to like solve this murder, murder mystery or whatever. Great characters throughout. I mean, if I didn't name enough people you're interested in seeing, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know, what's, what's weird about the Burbs is you think, because what we know of Tom Hanks now, we think it's, we think it's a Tom Hanks film. And a lot of the right. movie is Tom Hanks setting up everyone to shine, which is yes. Bruce Dern's awesome. Rick Dukeman left us way too early. And you go, man, Rick Dukeman had more opportunities. He, he just he steals every yep. scene he's in. He's so yep. funny in this one. Corey Feldman's awesome. I mean, we, yep. we're going to be talking about Corey Feldman quite a bit on, with, you know, with Dante and stuff like that. So and Dick Miller is, plays a garbage man in, in this, uh, in this yes. film. So Dick Miller, listeners, as you know, is a, he's a Joe Dante favorite as far as acting troupe. You could be honest, The Burbs was the first Joe Dante film I, I'd seen. And that was as yeah. of maybe two years ago. And the funny thing about that is when we look back, this movie was released in 1989. Mm-hmm. I would say we go back, I guess all of us, we go back to the 80s and we'll watch a movie and say, oh, well, I like this movie because it's kitschy. It reminded me of my time as growing up in the 80s. It's cheesy. It's fun. It's of its time and place. But yep. you look at something like The Burbs and you go, it's fun, a little bit cheesy, but it's not of its time and place. You could literally, Andrew loved yes. it. This is a movie that you don't have to have, Growing up in the 80s is not a big prerequisite for absolutely thinking this movie is genius and fun. So it lasts. It's a transcendent film. It is. Dante, yeah. And it has a very, like you said, the timeless quality. Part of that is the way he infuses all of these influences from different generations into his movies and the way he shoots it. On the, it's on the back lot. Yeah. I mean, it's on a street that's been used in like almost every sitcom, like the Munsters and all these other houses are actually there. If you look closely, you'll see them because he's using all these facades that have been used a million times. Uh, we'll talk about other Joe Dante where he does similar things. We need to let Eric talk too. But before we leave this, I'll tell you a couple great little trivia pieces too. And this will be one of two movies that we talk about when we get to Joe Dante, where there is dog trivia and monkey trivia. Oh, wow. oh, very cool. Dog oh, and okay. yeah, I think I might know what one of those are. <laughs> very cool. So, Eric, well, what was your thoughts about this? Yeah, Eric, yeah, Eric Holmes, by the way, he's a huge Joe Dante fan. And uh, I've been hearing Joe Dante come out of his mouth for the last couple of years. So we're just, we're just um, waiting. Well, I mean, it, it, first of all, if you haven't seen The Burbs, it's essentially a rear window. But mm-hmm. instead of in one apartment, it's in one cul-de-sac. And uh, like Bruce said, the the characters are what makes this movie. And, and the weird thing, like the, um, and, I mean, you pretty much said everything there is to say. I, I was thinking of the uh, poster where it's Tom Hanks sitting there and it's like the mm-hmm. burbs. And we were talking about where it came into his career. I could be wrong, but that's, let's see, he did, was it the... Big? Splash? No, no, the Bachelor Party and the one with mm-hmm. the house. Oh, um, the money pit. Oh, uh, the money, money pit. pit. Money yeah. pit, yeah. yeah. So I remember the burbs coming out and seeing those. It's like, oh, you know, the, the for some reason, I got the bachelor party and money pit mixed up in my head as the same thing. So I remember seeing the picture of the burbs with Tom Hanks sitting there, like just kind of disheveled. I'm like, oh, this is a sequel to the money pit. 
<laughs> but it was not a sequel to the money pit i'm just a dumbass but yeah it, it, it's a good movie and i could be wrong i believe nikki cat is in the burbs as well oh, i believe you're right yeah he, right. he plays one of uh cory feldman's buddies because mm-hmm. <laughs> cory feldman basically yeah he starts a party over this house so they can watch the neighbors be assholes yep, yep. <laughs> And that's, once again, like, it's just great. Like, you just want to sit with these characters and watch them interact. And all of the characters, the, the, the crazy neighbors are great. They're all just fun. So a couple of weird uh, trivia pieces I'll throw in here, unless you guys have something else first. One thing I wanted to say, and we'll reiterate this, I'm sure, on, on the uh, Joe Dante special thing. But Joe Dante probably has more Easter eggs and more movie, like, in-jokes and secret little Easter eggs and stuff than any other director other than maybe Tarantino, you know? If you look at a trivia, you know, you go to IMDb and there's trivia for each movie. And, you know, there might be a page for a movie that's been out for a while. You go to any Joe Dante movie and look at the trivia pages and it's like pages and pages and pages and pages. There's so much stuff packed into his movies. And the casts are almost always giant. So, but I'll just give you like two or three fun little ones out of this one. Um, One is, here's the monkey bit. So this was when uh, Corey Feldman was really good friends with Michael Jackson during this period. Michael Jackson was never on the set, but Bubbles was on the set like a lot. So but they wouldn't let Bubbles onto the actual set. So he had to stay in uh, Corey Feldman's uh, trailer. And I guess after one especially bad day, uh, the trailer was just trashed and covered in poop and everything. And they were like, that's it. Bubbles isn't allowed anymore. (laughs) So that was the weird monkey trivia. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, another one was at one point when they're trying to figure out what's going on with the neighbors, Tom Hanks is looking at this book on demonology. Remember that guys, but he's looking at this book on demonology and it's written by, uh, I had to look it up, uh, Julian Carswell. And when I was looking, I was like, Julian Carswell, why do I know that name? I looked up Julian Carswell. Julian Carswell is the evil demon worshiper in one of my favorite B movies of all time, which is curse of the demon starring Dana Andrews. And just the fact that he threw that little thing in there, if you want to see it, it's there. If you don't, it doesn't matter. He threw it in there. Another little thing in this, there's a point where they finally go into the weird house, right? And do you remember, you might remember this, guys. There's a painting on the wall, a weird, like, abstract painting. And the, um, I forget, uh, one of the neighbors keeps trying to push it around. They put it upside down and right side up. They're trying to figure out which way it goes. That painting is from an episode of Night Gallery. Just it's just there. Oh That's whoa! It. There's that is no very reason. Cool. It's just there. And this movie and all of Joe Dante's movies are full of stuff like that. It's so full of the love of movies. And the difference to me between that and Tarantino is Tarantino does those things, and they work a lot of times. But they're kind of to make him cool, to kind of give him credit. You know what I mean? Like to kind of make it like extra hip. Sure. Yeah. But I feel like in Joe Dante's movies, and in there, they're in there just from pure geek movie love like he's just like like dick miller he loves dick miller so yeah he's put dick miller in every movie <laughs> you know so that's it so that is so verbs. cool yeah i mean he's done so many movies and i can't wait till we talk about joe dante next week we're going to talk about joe dante next week for our show because right now i'm not gonna i don't know what time it is right now for you guys and i i know listeners around this time i, I go to betty by uh and and my eyes are 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 sleepy right now. I'm gonna go because and, and we're gonna talk. Air, Joe Dante is Eric Holmes. Is he got the gremlin thing? What's the name? Stripe? Sorry, what is it? Bruce? 
Eric, what's your name? Stripe. 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 Oh. That is a great <laughs> voice. That is a great voice because our next episode for Joe Don, and then you have, oh, there you go, a Fangoria Gremlins. Yeah, folks. Yeah, we, we, need, to, we, need, a lot of, uh, we need a lot of time for the next Joe Dante episode. There's a lot of things I really, we really need to unpack, and that'll be for our next director spotlight next week. So anything, Eric, do you want to say anything else before we, we're out of here regarding Halloween? Any other side thoughts just in general? I only got a few things to say to you. <laughs> that is spooky people. Stay sick. Turn blue. Don't go to Parma. Hey, what's a good show, group? Call me King. <laughs> okay, there you go. And Bruce, and I don't, I'm not going to ask you to top that, but anything else you want to say? No, nah, no, it, that's good. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, more Goularty, more Joe Dante for next week. Sorry, guys. We're gonna, you're, we're gonna, you're going to love the Joe Dante stuff for next week. And... Uh, We'll see you next week on Find Your Film and have a happy and safe Halloween and we'll see you later.